Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. everybody welcome back to our final episode this week with molly miller i'm joined here by my co-host joe gore how you doing joe really well um it's it's really inspiring to hang out with molly uh you know she's a she's a very smart player but a very soulful one too kind of Mm -hmm. uh she can be brainiac and gut bucket at the same time and she's just she's just a hell of a lot of fun to talk to so one of the things you'll notice if you ever listen to some of her other trio recordings is just her innate sense of melody. And that was one of the things I wanted to pick her brain about was being aware of and learning how to develop uh, melodies as a guitar player. And as she talks about today, it's it's not just single line stuff. It can be comping. Any, anything you play has a melody to it. And, and she does quite eloquently go into depth about how she – how she really works on it, and it's a part of her practice routine every day. Yeah, you practice practice being melodic. Um, yeah, I mean, saying someone's a melodic guitar player is a little bit of a cliche, but it's really the the through line in all the context she plays. You know, she does fabulous solo stuff, she does fabulous combo stuff, she does the trio stuff, and she does pop stuff. With uh, she plays guitar for Jason Mraz and like a like a like a big band. How many people did you say are in this group? There's like nine or ten in the band, and um, you know whatever you know whether it's pop, whether it's jazz, whether it's solo, whether it's a big band, it, melody is foremost. Um, mm-hmm. It really shines through, and she has some. Uh, you know, maybe that's a gift that comes naturally, but she's got some really good advice about how to develop it for yourself. So yeah, and at the very least, it's a it's a place to start and a place to think about. You know, even when it comes to, like you said, like she says in this episode, sometimes you might have to put the metronome away to focus more on 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 melody and, and connecting notes than strict. It also reminded me one thing I meant to bring up when we were talking to her, Joe, was when we were talking with Daniel Donato a couple of weeks ago, where he talks about kind of breaking into, you know, practicing the kind of athletic part of guitar and practicing the creative part of guitar. And I kind of got those those vibes from what Molly was talking about today. Yeah. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's been a blast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting to, uh, talk to her for these three episodes and yeah. hope you find it as inspiring as we do. Yeah. So let's just hop right to it. So here's our final episode with Molly Miller. We're really psyched to be talking to Molly Miller again. Um, <laughs> we've had her in all this week and, uh, not just a great player, but, just a real inspirational guitar spirit. You know, every, we've, you know, every time Jason and I talk to her, we, you know, we can't help remarking how inspired it makes us and makes us want to go practice and work on things and create. So uh, the world is lucky to have you as a teacher. 
Um, we were talking about possible topics. One really obvious one was was melody, because you are such a melodic player. That's kind of a trite expression, but um, it's it's so central to what you do. You know, every, everything from playing in a jazz context, great tunes that are not coming from jazz, um, and in your uh, lead guitar work with Jason Mraz, you know you you know you get up and play the flashy solo, but you, like you never lose the through line. It's like the, it's just makes sense as melody. It's not just shredding. Um, so we'd like to hear a little bit how you know how melody guides what you do. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's like I feel like the the answer is in the question. Melody guides everything I do. It's at the forefront. I remember one of my lessons with Bruce. It's I feel like I. I he helped me understand this, that it doesn't matter if you're comping, it doesn't matter if you're soloing, it doesn't matter if you're playing the melody, melody is king. Um, and so that's always at the forefront of my mind when I'm playing and, you know, when I'm like doing a good practice session, I'm, I'm practicing, I record myself and I listen back. And what I'm, I'm, my goal is, is to create a melody and something I can sing back. You know, like some of the players I was early, I was drawn to early on guitar players. I remember like Grant Green was one of the first jazz guitar players I really liked. And listening to the way he played, I was like, oh, that's like how someone would talk. I was like, I really liked that about his playing. It wasn't just like fast lines, but it was really melodic. I always, when people come and ask me like, I want to learn jazz, I want to transcribe something, where do I start? And I say, find like a medium tempo Grant Green blues tune. Yeah. And just that's start not there. not bad advice. Because it's 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 melodic. It's not like don't start with Pat Metheny. You might love Pat Metheny. You know, you put on question and answer or whatever, and you hear his break on all the things you are. You're, slow down, bud. You're just you're not. It's that's those are big. That's a big leap to take. Yeah. Look at look at a Grant Green record. I even love just transcribing his the way he plays heads, mm. almost more so than his solos, because. <clears throat> You know, you transcribe three or four Grant Green solos, you'll get a handle on his vocabulary pretty quick. You know, he 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 plays Grant Green stuff very well and likes to play it often. But yeah. how he phrases solos, like I'm thinking of like the Latin version of I'll Remember April off the Standards record. Mm. Love that tune, by the way. That uh that to me, like you could almost even if you can't like write out the notation, you could probably pick that out by ear fairly easily. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and understanding how he interprets the rhythm there. But you mentioned another thing where you record yourself. I think that's insanely important. Is is that how, like, how would you practice being melodic? Yeah. Um, well, I did write a premier guitar article on practicing. Um, you did. But <laughs> big, like one of the aspects I said was like record yourself and listen back. And that is the most important thing. And also even doing things, I think that's like – the most important part of practicing is listening to yourself back because you don't know what you sound like unless you listen to yourself back. And I have experiences all the time where I'm like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Or like, or like, wow, like this is what I need to work on. I keep playing that line. I'm just playing muscle memory, whatever yeah. the thing is. It helps me realize what the thing is that I need to work on or the cool thing that I'm doing. So Melody? I like the idea you said of recording yourself to to recognize things in your playing. Mm -hmm. But- how do you practice being melodic in the first place? Yes. Okay. So now when you said that, now I'm like, okay, I'm remembering what I was getting at. Okay. So 
I think when, whether it's a, practicing, my big thing is like practicing rubato and letting melody lead you. So for example, like I'll play a blues right now and I'll play it kind of rubato and I'm not going to be playing, it's not about like sick harmony or changes or or like getting all my fast lines in, but instead, actually, I'm not even gonna play blues. I'll play one chord. I'll play like E major seven right now and just go up and down the guitar. And like, I'm always, I'm practicing this. This is how I pick up my instrument every time. So there's two parts to this. So like one is just like one chord. Let's just explore E major and like think of melody. For example, like I'm not thinking about the chords. I'm thinking about like a melody. You got and some then, nice subversive A sharp in there though. Oh, I well, I, you major. <laughs> I, like, I got into the sharp 11 a little bit. I like the sharp 11 sometimes, especially just over E major. That's kind of like, ah. Um, but like if I'm playing like uh, thinking about when going from one chord to the next, what notes are the same and what notes are different? Because I think thinking in smaller bite-sized stuff, you actually can get into melody. So if it's like, and that's looking at uh, like voice leading, you know, if you're just playing like A to D, like, yeah, that's A to D. I'm playing these big bar chords right now, but that's not really A to D. You know, is A to D, is A to D. And thinking when going there, maybe I keep one of the notes the same, you know, like the first example, I kept A at the top. So like, maybe I'll play something where I'm keeping that note at top. I don't know if that was the best example, but even like with chords. So I'm thinking in terms of how chords relate to each other in smaller sizes and what melodies I can create within that, whether it be attention, a note being sustained, the melody leading up, the melody leading down. Does that concept make sense? And I love the idea of pick, like it, when you first say, when you pick up a guitar, you just kind of abstractly pick a key and you just start to explore that key. I remember, uh, I got mad mentions before in a previous podcast, but I remember seeing this old clip of a Joe DiOrio video where he kind of does something similar. He calls it gesturing. You're just, mm. you're just searching for stuff. You're just yeah. kind of moving your fingers around within this predetermined universe, searching for trying to get out of your finger patterns and searching for melodies or something that grabs your ear. Yeah, I find stuff all the way doing all the time when I'm doing that because, and even like small things. Like I was like jamming on like here we are in E again and something I had never done before, like an E seven thing. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. And like it, you can grow from there where you kind of like discover something and it's always led by melody. And um, when I, I, yeah, everything is led by melody and exploring, I think the ex exploration part of playing something rubato, whether it be one chord or a song and looking at how things interact with each other and thinking of melody, does melody stay the same? Does melody go up? Does melody go down? And even you can add tension, you know? And like, yeah, like that, that fun, the tension release thing and how melody relates to that. 
Does that not make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. Also, but in, in the process of explaining that, two things leapt out at me that might be different from how a lot of us tend to practice. You talked about playing rubato. Yeah. So you are saying switch off the metronome some of the time. And, you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, guitar pedagogues emphasize metronome playing, which we probably all agree is important, but you're, you're saying it's, it's t- there's a time to leave that aside. And then also the way you're talking about, you know, connecting lines and, and you didn't use the term voice leading, but um, mm-hmm. we're just not thinking in terms of these static bricks of, you know, here's my E chord, here's my A chord, but finding the melodic continuities between them um, is generally speaking more of a, more of a pianistic approach than a guitaristic approach. That's one of the big things when I'm teaching, talking about that exact thing. It's like, even uh, like I do, I did like a pickup masterclass on this actually, where it's like through triads where it's like, let's say it's a one, five, six, four progression. We'll be in, in, uh, we'll be in C, you know, C, G, A minor, F. And instead of playing bar chords, C, G, A minor, F, you like go into little triads. Just play the triads, then try to play melodies around that. And then maybe you go from one chord to the next with a melody leading. Uh, you know, and I'm like, I'll mess around with these different chord progressions where I'll stay in one place and see how they interact with each other using voice leading, but then also with melody leading and not jumping. So it is voice leading. You're not jumping from one, these big six note voicing from one end of the guitar to the other, because that's not... That's not how piano players or arrangers or orchestrators think. You know, we're thinking in how can we connect these shapes in smaller, more, yeah, more melodic manners. So is there a systemic way you teach your students when it comes to mapping out triads on the neck? Yeah, I will actually do that. I have them, um, it's like, first you learn your triads on your string sets, up and down, and you'll play, you know, let's say it's C. So C, C, I don't know. And then connect it with a scale. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I can't do that right. So I just like played a C major scale up the guitar neck and played the triad and then trying to connect those chords, you know, let's say the chords are C to G and looking at C to G with the minimal amount of movement. Um, and then trying to create the next step. So once you can actually like connect these triads is then making little melodies and whether that's up and down the guitar neck or within one position. But it's kind of like, yeah, it's very, uh, I feel like it's like Bach or something, you know, it's like, Mm. yeah. Um, there's a, well, think- there's a kind of there's an old classical voice leading trick. You know, if you're just playing chord regressions on the piano, if you, if you say you have three notes in your right hand and one note in your left hand, and if you as you change chords, move each of the right hand voices to the nearest harmony exactly as you just did. Yeah. But then, meanwhile, move have just have the you know the single note you're playing in your left hand move in contrary motion. Cool. To the chords you're going to get something very close to box style voice leading automatically. I love that stuff so much. It really informs my playing. It is like a combination of like thinking about 
this counterpoint that is so beautiful. I studied classical guitar while I was at USC and got to, you know, look at that a bit more. And then um, with jazz and just like, you know, all of our, that's how all of us kind of create our own sound is just by all of our influences. And yeah. But the, yeah, the contrapuntal thing is so, you know, you, you, you're so counterpoint conscious in your playing. Um, it's, it's really hard to think that way, but you managed to do it. I practice that way and definitely like studying with people who, you know, like Bruce Foreman and like thinking of people like Joe DiOrio or, you know, people and just, I think solo guitar playing too, because a lot of it is like mapping out, um, you're like on an obstacle course and it's like, oh, I have to turn right. So like you figure out a way to turn right and like you have to get through barriers. And so like, it's like, okay, here's a song and I need to get from C to G, but I want my bass movement to move this way. Okay. And like, it's, it's problem solving. And I think that's the fun part. And that's where counterpoint comes into play because it's, um, it's how do you get from A to B, not note wise, but like, how do you get from one location to the next and looking at all the different possibilities. Well, Molly, this has been such a fun week and such, I mean, it just reminds me that this podcast is just an excuse for me to hang out with super smart guitar people. And Oh, second, I second that. It's, it's a blast talking to Molly. She's a, isn't she inspiring? She is. She is. It was so, so. fun hanging. I know. And I feel that I like, uh, I'm like, I'm really going to miss seeing you at NAMM this year. Like what's, how is that going to work? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I mean, cause I mean, like a lot of people, Go to Nam to see the people more than the gear. I, I go to get to 100%. see all my friends, definitely. Yeah. So, well, thanks again, Molly, uh, and uh, for joining us. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.